Hey everyone, it's been a while, but I am back and I am super excited and looking forward to my conversation with Erin Falconer. Erin Falconer is an author, associate therapist, speaker, entrepreneur, podcaster, mom, and Canadian living in Los Angeles. And that's just naming a few of the things that Erin does. Erin has written three books and most recently released the book, How to Break Up with Your Friends, Finding Meaning, Connection, and Boundaries in Modern Friendships. I discovered Erin by listening to her episode with Maria Menounos on Better Together, and I knew I had to have a conversation with her. Her book, How to Break Up with Your Friends, Finding Meaning, Connection, and Boundaries in Modern Friendships, is about creating space for meaningful connections and setting healthy boundaries with this much-needed guide to modern-day friendship. If you know me, you know what a huge part of my life my friends are, so this was very intriguing to me. This book is so much more than dissolving toxic friendships. It really highlights so many important types of friendships and how to better understand your needs and your friends' needs. She really dives into the anatomy of the different types of friends. I loved that so much. I have a therapist who told me several years ago, different friends, different buckets, and that made so much sense to me. It really helped me realize that every friend isn't going to fill every single bucket that we have, and nor are we going to be able to fill every bucket that our friends need. And I also really think that friendships evolve and change through the years, and older childhood friendships can look a whole lot different than newer friendships. So I'm really, really excited to get this conversation started with Miss Erin Falconer. Welcome to No Approval Needed, Erin. Thank you so much. Great to be here. I'm so thankful for you to have taken the time. I listened to you on Maria Menounos' podcast, and I just found myself sitting there going, oh my gosh, yes. Yes, like everything just resonated so much with me. Um, anyone that knows me that knows my friendships are like my lifeline. They are my everything. Um, I have a group of childhood friends that I've been friends with since some pre-K, some elementary school, middle school on, and we're still a very, um, tight knit group of friends. And anyways, um, I listened to your book on audible and I devoured it. And I think two or three carpool line situations and, um, (laughs) went back and listened to a few more. And I just, I loved everything about it. There were so many things that stuck out to me um, that I definitely want to cover and talk about today. But firstly, I kind of want to talk about where you got the inspiration for the book, where the title of the book came from. Yeah. So it's kind of a funny story in a sense. I, I have written, I had written my first book, which is called How to Get Shit Done, uh, Why Women Need to Stop Doing Everything So They Can Achieve Anything. And that book was very firmly rooted in the female empowerment space with a, with a particular look on, you know, what feminine productivity could look like as opposed to just productivity, productivity. And so um, as I was looking to write the follow-up for that book, um, I was thinking I was going to do something kind of like 2.0 in the, in the, in the productivity space. And I spent like six months going down different rabbit holes and hitting a lot of dead ends. Other, like either I felt like it was a retread or too much of a reach for whatever reason, I, I was just not gelling with any one kind of topic. And then and was getting frustrated about it actually, and as was my agent. And I woke up in the middle, kind of early morning, at like around 6 a.m. one morning, half asleep, half awake. And this statement, how to break up with your friends was just in my head. And I was like, what? Like, it was just like how to break up with your friends. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, what? And I tried to go back to sleep and then I couldn't. And 
I kept kind of thinking about this for like the next two to three days. It just kept coming up in my mind, coming up in my mind to the point where I was super irritated. And I was like, what is this? What is this all about? And when I started to, so I started then to look at my own friendships. I'm like, do I need to know something here? And when I started to look at them, I was like, wow, I, I started to notice I had a lot of kind of built up irritations or resentments, um, or I felt like I was missing somebody even though they were in my life. So I was like, what, what is, what is all this? And when I looked at it a little closer, I was like, oh my God, I feel like we have this really untapped source right in front of us of energy, of support, um, of our own self discovery path, you know, because I really believe you learn about yourself through other people. I was like, this actually really dovetails in a non-linear way with productivity, because what better to have your, you know, your coffers full, your energy full, a positive mindset. These are all things that directly interface with productivity. So while this is not a productivity book, I felt it dovetailed very nicely with the first book. And I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to write about. And the funny thing is, and then I got super excited about it and started writing all this stuff. And I sold this this title, uh, February 23rd, 2020, which was three weeks before we went into lockdown. I thought it was an important topic then. Mm -hmm. I could not possibly have imagined what was just around the corner when all of these right. people kind of ripped out of our lives as we went into our tiny, you know, micro bubbles. And, um, and I think I might've even said on Maria's show, and I, I, I in fact, I, I did. Uh, I said, you know, and then it really hit me as we, I was getting all these Zoom um, uh, happy hour updates. I mean, sorry, Zoom happy hour invites to hang out with different friends, you know, via Zoom. And I was like, some of the people I was like, oh my God, I, yes, I want to connect with them so badly. And some of them, I was like, I have zero time for this. I have no interest in this. Okay, what is this telling me? I need to mm -hmm. reply to these friendships. And so, yeah, so anyways, that's kind of a long, long answer to your question, but but it was a real process to get to this title. <laughs> I think it's so interesting. You know, I, I was first really thinking about the title, how to break up with your friends. Um, and I started thinking about my own friendships and trying to, really go back and think about friendships that maybe I had in my high school years that I'm no longer friends with or in college. And I started to think about, there was definitely a handful, but none of those were situations where the friend and I sat down <laughs> and properly parted ways. Right. Um, what has your experience been with your childhood friends or um, even adult friends where you've had to really, I think you call it like an audit and really- right take a look at like how those friendships make you feel and then kind of mm -hmm. make that decision of what you want to do in those right. situations. Yeah. Well, I think you said one of the key things there, Brooke, which is this idea of an audit. And, you know, we are a culture that is obsessed with information about ourselves, right? I mean, we track every calorie we're eating, every gram of fat, we know all the fiber, you know, we're wearing watches that tell us every step we're ever taking so we can map that. We have the Maria Marie Kondo situation where 
we're looking at everything in our house and saying, does this bring me joy? If not, I'm letting it go. And yet there's so little reflection on the people in our lives, the people. Like yes. this is the most important thing and yet there's no reflection on it. Mm -hmm. And and again, that's why I kind of thought this, this idea really dovetailed also with productivity because it's like, you cannot be productive. You cannot be living your fullest life if you don't have an assessment of what is in it, right? Of the movie. Yes. And of course, the people are the things that bring the most energy, positive or negative. They bring, you know, they help support you or not support you. All these things are like major in your life and we don't have eyes on it. And so the first thing... Um, the first thing is that audit piece is really looking at the landscape of who is in your life, writing down um, and just getting basic about it, writing down who who is my inner circle, who's my outer circle, who's there that I really, sorry, my dog is, my puppy is running. My dog's so cute. My puppies are all right here. I have one that's under my foot sunning and one that's on the couch back here. So I, I get it. He's so cute. Um, so the first thing is to just get clear on who is actually there. And it's amazing how catalyzing it can be to just literally write down the names of people in your life and watch your reaction as you see them on black and white in front of you. That is such a great litmus test and often tells you most of what you need to know. You might not know how you got to that place yet, but just your visceral reaction to seeing their name written down in front of you gives you a lot of information, right? And yes. once you have that information, then you can start making choices. And mm -hmm. that's where you're really operating from the power position um, is as opposed to letting these relationships happen to you, you are now active in them. You are making choices around them. And that alone, it gives you a, a sense of energy, a sense of motivation, a sense of kind of renewed control over your life, which I think now more than ever is super important as we've been in this pandemic for two years and just felt like we've been so powerless in so many yes. ways. So like making choices around the people in your life is, is really empowering. And in, in the book, as you know, I have uh, in each chapter, I have homework kind of, you know, yes. uh, with different ways to get the ball rolling in terms of just like the informational piece. And then the second part of it is like, now what do I do now that I have this information? And like, yes. if, as you know, the book is called how to break up with your friends, but there's only one chapter on how to break up with your friends. There yes. are nine chapters on, on why friendship is so important and meaningful and, and how to do it <laughs> and how to do it better. Um, so that's the goal of the book. It's not necessarily to go through your contact list with a, a machete. It's about, let me just get clear on who is even here, take an inventory and then start making choices around what supports where you are now and where you want to go. It's really awareness. Right. I think it is so much about awareness of the people in your life, but also your own self-awareness about yourself and your right. role in your friendships. Right. Your role in your friendships and also your friend's role in your friendship right. and what you each bring to it. And if right. your needs are being met, right? right. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I feel so grateful that I went into my adult life with built in friends. And I realized that is not the case for everybody. I have, yeah. I have uh, talk about awareness as I've met, met people through the years, I realized having a childhood group of friends is rare and unique and very special. And so I have so much gratitude for that. Do you, do you, oh, sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you live in the same city that you grew up in. 
So I was born and raised in Houston. <sighs> okay. And I went away to college at Arizona State. Okay. Then I moved to New York City for a little over a year. And then I came back to Houston. Okay. So now out of this group of friends, mm -hmm. I have some that are still that were in New York City and that during okay. COVID moved to New Jersey. I have a couple in LA, one in Austin, but you know, there's definitely my handful here. Right. Um, right. And, it, and it's just so interesting. We have been through, there's, that's the nostalgic friend you talk right. about, right? Like the history that we share. The um, we've been, we have been through so, so many losses together. We have been through so many celebrations. Um, we have such a unique group of different personalities. Um, you know, we were in, in each other's weddings. We've watched each other bring children into the world. And, um, I mean, there's several of us who our children are now yeah. best friends. Right. That's amazing. And, and they don't even go to school together, but right. I mean, they consider each other their first friends right. and their best friends still today. Um, but that being said, I am such a, I guess I'm an extroverted introvert in a way where nice. I do need my alone time to recharge, but I just love, and I'm energized by meeting new people. And I had a therapist tell me different friends, different buckets. Yes, and I, definitely. She told me that and I sat on that for a minute and, and I, my response to that was, okay, that changes everything for me Totally, because, because there's been times in my life where I have these expectations that each friend is going to fill that bucket for me, or that I have to be able to fill all of those things for all of my friends. And it became so clear, different friends, different buckets. Right. And, um, the adult friends I've made in my, uh, my life now have been, you know, maybe my children's friends, parents, or people I work out with, or just in, you know, different social settings. And there's so many different types of friends I have now. And so I, I, I have a list of all the different types of friends that you've had in your book and, um, I'll quickly list them and then we can kind of go yeah. more in depth, but the nostalgic friend, the creative friend, the nurturing friend, the mentor, the friend like you, the friend not like you, the fun friend, the vital friend, AKA ride or die. And finally that toxic friend, right? which um, hopefully we're all gonna start to weed out after reading your book. Right. Um, but going back to that, you know, let's talk a little bit more about those. And also I wanted to add something that came up when I kind of pulled my audience on Instagram, cause I, I got some good questions from oh, them okay. to ask you. Um, but one of the interesting ones that I can't exactly relate to, but was the sister friend, Oh, because right. I have several yeah. friends that are one of four girls, one of right. three girls. And that is a whole other, that's a whole other world. Yes. Dynamic. My, my best friend who I write about a little bit in the book, Sophie has her sister and they are like they're like absolute best friends but they have the biggest fights but then they're you know they're so that is definitely a a, a very special and unique relationship made a little more complicated by obviously you kind of have to work it out mm -hmm. you know or find common ground um so i'll talk a little bit more about that in one second but i think you raised a very important point about <clears throat> this idea that friends should be, <clears throat> excuse me, everything to you. And the truth is that nobody can be everything to you, right? That mm -hmm. only you can be everything to you. 
we're just finding different parts and different fractions and different relationships that then create a whole circle. But the only person that can completely um, be everything to you is you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that without, again, without that audit piece and just kind of having these expectations that are unrealistic, you put a lot of pressure on, on people and on, on, on the relationship. You feel disappointed. You, you know, you kind of have like highs and lows where you don't necessarily have to, if you just get clear on what that person is bringing to the relationship and what you are bringing in turn to the relationship for that person and making sure those two things align. Um, but just having the understanding of like, this person is the person I go to for this and she, for me, whatever that mm -hmm. is, right? And that's what I need her for her to be in this relationship. And that's what I need to be in that relationship. She doesn't need to be everything. She doesn't need to be like partying until 2 a.m. with me, but then also giving me how to change diaper lessons. You know, like those right. people often don't exist, right? And um, do you follow the psychotherapist, uh, Esther yeah. Perel? I knew you were going to say Esther Perel because you had talked about her before. I do, yeah. and I adore everything she writes and says yeah so she just it's, it's the same point as like that she talks for people that don't know she's a world famous um couples therapist um from she's from israel but she lives in she lives in the united states i think new york mm -hmm. um and she talks all about all the time about um the pressure in modern relationship couples that now the, the romantic partner has become everything to to the like to the other mm -hmm. and especially now in the pandemic like we're not just we're literally working from home we know everybody that worked all of the co-workers we're not just talking about our workouts we're often working out together with them mm -hmm. there's it's very very and mesh might be too strong a word but it's just too strong a burden for anybody to hold as i said at the top not nobody can be some everybody uh, everything to somebody right so friendship in this context also becomes very important because for your romantic couple it's like you need to start being very kind of um intentional about not just like the role of friends but so that you can take some of the pressure off of the romantic partner and stop having them be everything and just be in the moment with them and interacting and engaging as opposed to having all of these expectations that they need to meet and that you need to meet for them. So, so yeah. And so how, how do you do that? Well, again, you just need to get information on who, you know, the different categories and, and, and the categories that I write about in the book certainly are not exhaustive. If there's somebody like the sister friend, and then you've got that in your world. Well, that's on the list for you. You know what I mean? You might not have a creative friend. Maybe you need one. Maybe, mm -hmm. you, don't, you know, but just having eyes on it is really the most important, is the most important part. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I answered, if there was a question or if we're just talking about this. No, absolutely. I just think seeing all of the different types and the buckets mm -hmm. um, is so eye-opening because I think that we're all on this hamster wheel of life and go, 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 go. And yes, COVID time, like slowed us down for a minute. Right. And then life just got back to the hamster right. wheel. And right. quite frankly, there's moments I'm like, God, I wish I could just go back into quarantine for like, or have a mandatory quarantine once a year. Yeah, exactly. For, that for would ourselves. Um, <laughs> and, and talking about COVID, that time did open a lot of people's eyes yeah. to these relationships. You know, they weren't um, 
doing their normal thing where they see people on a regular basis that it was just sort of like a, whether it's a workout or work, you know, like you said the word before intentional, like it became, you had to be intentional to nurture those relationships and see those people right. in order to have those friendships. And it, and it was just sort of like, there we are. Okay. So do I want to work on that? Like you said, when those zoom invites started coming in and they were like, Ooh, that gut feeling is like, Oh, I don't want to do that. It was like, it made you really realize. Um, I think one of the things is, is that the, the, the pandemic pandemic gave us this information, but as we're, as we're going back into like, you know, norm quote unquote normal or like socializing and seeing people, the, the, the thing, the thing that I was seeing in my practice is that people are starting to have a lot of anxiety. Like I have this information, but now what do I do with it? And like, do I just kind of like, uh, okay, I'll go back to normal because I don't have the tools to be like, okay, I need to make some choices. I need to act around those choices. How do I do that? And <clears throat> I think the thing is, and I probably said this in Maria's show as well, but it bears repeating is that as a therapist, I kind of had this epiphany moment well into writing the book where I was like, you know, it's crazy. We have, there's individual therapy, there's couples therapy, there's family therapy, and there's, but there's no friendship therapy. And what that means to me is that there's no kind of language around conflict. There's no blueprint for how to not navigate the highs and lows of these relationships. We think these relationships, it's so, it's so unbelievable. It's the only relationship that we think just kind of should be and give, mm. give, give without work. And of course you cannot have any uh, real relationship without work right? Without conflict, right. without navigating onto the other side of things, or when conflict arises, really using that as a litmus test to see, do I want to make the effort to address this conflict or is this relationship just not worth it to me? Right. right. So, but again, we're, that's, those are choices. And what we're 90% of people are not making these choices. They're just like pushing it down, pushing it down, ignoring it. And so again, you're in situations where you're letting things happen to you as opposed to you happening to them. And that's just really counterintuitive for living a, a fulfilled life. And don't you think it's partially because communicating can be really hard for people? Yeah. Being open and vulnerable can be very, very hard for people. And when you take a look at these relationships and you see things that may not be, you know, a-okay for your expectations right. or what you want in a friendship, to walk away sometimes is a lot easier, but what they really need is sometimes it's a friend who really is a good friend, but there's a pattern of behavior, behavior like your friend that would show up late and it just needed to be talked about. It just needed to be addressed. Yeah. But sometimes we have to do the hard things to get to the, the other side. Okay, I'd love to talk about some of the questions I got from Instagram. There's several and they all are, I think, really, really great questions. Um, one of them is, how do you handle a friendship where you're open and vulnerable, you share, and the other person just won't go there with you? Like, how do you get close to someone like that? Right. Well, it is tough if somebody's not going to be uh, vulnerable in 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 any way, right? So I think I think you want to get clear first. It, are they vulnerable? in some way that is not necessarily like what you deem as vulnerable. So maybe they're not talking about their feelings all the time, but <clears throat> there's a lot of ways that non-verbally, you know, non-verbal cues that people 
are trying to let you know things are up, but don't have the necessarily the words to, you know, to describe what's going on. If you see that happening, noticing that and saying, you know, you're saying, you're saying, you're talking like this, but I, you feel so, you know, uh, tense or, or like upset or whatever, is there something going on? So you can try and like, if you're seeing nonverbal cues and that takes you to be really paying attention to the other person and being really present. Now, if that's not the case and this other person just has a wall um, <clears throat> and you're being honest and sharing and you feel like it's not reciprocated, there are a couple things that could be going on there. Number one, you know, is this person not vulnerable with you or are they just not vulnerable across the board, right? Again, that's a good piece of information to have. If they're just not vulnerable across the board, they, not, they might not be able to get there for whatever psychologically, you know, they're the things that are holding them back. Um, you know, it might not be your job to be able to, you know, to try and crack this nut open. If this is a person that is vulnerable and you've seen them in other relationships or other places in their lives really open up and, but yet with you, they're not, then that is where it's a conversation in the sense of like, I see you opening up with these people and I feel like I open up with you. Is there something in the way I'm showing up for you that, that makes you not, you know, trust me to hold this information or to hold your vulnerability. So that is certainly something that is worth, and I think it's totally reasonable to bring it up, right? If, again, if the person is across the board, not a vulnerable person and it's kind of has all of their feelings and emotions locked up, then you're gonna have to assess, is this the right relationship for me? Or, or if this is like an inner circle friendship, right? As I talk about in the book, the different tiers, then you might have to start making the choice either that this is just not the right relationship for me and then a good way to talk about that is you have your talking point right it's just like mm -hmm. I feel like I'm committing you know emotionally to this relationship far more than either you can or you want to and so that doesn't work for me right mm -hmm. and I think that is a really fair and art and and reasonable um position to take because you know again real relationships take real vulnerability otherwise they're kind of things that are just there and for me if something's not giving energy it's taking it there's no yes. neutral right there's no like right so so um so yeah i think you got to get a little more i get a little more information on it and then you can start to uh, make some choices. But I do think that if it is a case where the person is vulnerable with other people, it's a really great conversation to have with that person as long as it's not reactive and you're, you know, proactive and sitting the person down and talking about this because what a great piece of information you could learn about your own self, right? Mm -hmm. Because like what in me is creating kind of a barrier to this person, not that it's your fault, but just information right? Like, yes. oh, interesting. Why does this dynamic exist between us? And a lot of times, you know, we're bringing our own stuff into these relationships. So our perception can kind of be off. Sometimes, you know, most of the time it's on, but it would be very interesting to hear what that person would say. It could be shocking to you. Well, oh, good, good thing. I'm happy you brought this up because I feel like you bring this to the table and that's why I don't open up, but you can never guess those things. You can only right. go to the bottom. The problem is the guessing. 
because then we start to create narratives that have nothing to do with reality. And that's where yeah. most of the problems happen, right? Is in these totally. narratives we've, this must be what's going on. No, usually everybody is wrong when they're guessing. It's in every relationship, in your marriage, in, in everything. I yeah. mean, if you're not communicating about something and it's, you know, like Brene Brown always says, it's the story you're telling yourself, right. then you can go spinning. I mean, you have to communicate and that is the, the hard part. Even, even for me, I, I can talk to the wall. Like I can right. share everything about myself. I, when I'm close to somebody, I can get close to somebody quickly, but if there's a conflict, yeah. whether it's a childhood friend, a newer friend, a family member, it's really hard to go there. Yeah. Especially if you're someone that wants peace and you don't want to rock the boat, you're not confrontational, but it can be done in a really, really beautiful way. Right. You watched it happen for you when you finally had that conversation with your right. friend. Right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I think, I think it's very easy to say that, you know, you're somebody that wants peace. You're somebody that doesn't want confrontation. And, and that's probably true, but a lot of what those saying those things is are about is just covering up the fact that you're scared there's a fear there you know it's fear it's just fear i don't you know what am i and i think you know again it's look it's never easy to have like conflict with somebody if it's your parents or your family or your partner but there is so much more of a language and an expectation that there's going to be conflict in all of those relationships and again mm -hmm. it's just we haven't flexed the muscle, worked out the muscle of doing this in friendship. And I think that's why, you know, in friendship, it's like, oh God, is this silly that I'm bringing this up? You know, I'm going to just, you know, can this friendship hold, you know, sustain this? Is this person's in a really bad place in their life right now? I don't think I should say anything. We just talk ourselves out of it where like so many of those behaviors, if they were with our romantic partner, we'd be on it. Like, right. Yeah this is ridiculous. Stop doing this. You're being a jerk. You're da, 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 da. And you know why you get to the other side of it usually and mm -hmm. much better off, you know, as long as you're doing it respectfully, of course, but we just don't have as much practice when it comes to navigating these conflicts in friendship. And so we often say things like, and it is true, like, you know, of course you seem like a peaceful person and you seem like, you know, you want to make things better as opposed to, and those are, are all great, great traits, but we need to be careful to say, okay, like, let's lift them up a little and see what's underneath because you yeah. don't want to be operating from a, a position of fear as, as much as you can. I mean, that's, it's impossible be, to be totally fearless, but you want to just be careful to like, get out of fear as much as you can face it as much as you can. Yeah, it's facing that fear. You said something about um, you have to expect that there's going to be conflict in relationships. Right. And that just like hit me in my gut because it made me just sit here and realize that in all my relationships, it's it, I don't want there to be friction, but you're saying it's fear and it is because I'm so fear of hurting another person's feelings. I'm so afraid that if I say what I need to say, then that may cause a rift in that relationship but right, right, it's right. so important it breaks it open it's you know I'm preaching all the time to people like just be vulnerable be be open that's how you're going to have better relationships but the flip side of that is like going to going to the place where it's actually hard for me which won't being vulnerable is not hard for me but the the confrontation more conflict-based conversation is is hard so that just kind of opened yeah. me up a little bit when you, yeah, because when you look at it and you're like, oh, I don't, let's just take that example you just said, it was like, oh, I don't want to hurt her feelings. But what you're saying is, okay, so, but my feelings 
it's okay if I don't feel great. I just don't want to hurt her feelings. Well, what is, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? When you say, why would you allow your own feelings to be hurt at the, you know, to save somebody else's feelings? Now there's a, there's an element of grace to that, but in one incident, but cumulatively you're repressing your own needs, your own feelings, your own sense of self-worth to placate others. Yep. This is not a healthy, this is not, that this is not a healthy place to operate from. No, it's not. And again, it's not like, I'm not talking about the type of thing where like, oh, this, this, you know, my friend tried to take my job or steal my boyfriend or really talk shit about me to somebody. I'm not talking about the big gunshot or the knife. I'm talking about death by a million little cuts. And that's, that's what this is about. It's like the little things that over and over again you accept as okay which aren't and then all of a sudden there's a chasm between you or you know I always say like when you try to numb out the bad things unfortunately you don't have a choice like when you're trying to numb out things that are kind of negative ultimately you also numb the positive you don't have a choice when you numb you numb right yes. and so that's these, these, this, the great sense of joy you can have from these relationships is, is I find so numbed because we've, you know, numbed ourselves to these little irritations, again, choosing others' feelings over ours, all of these things. And so the greatness of friendship is, can only be unlocked when we're living unnumb throughout the entire kind of Pantone color, <laughs> chart, yes. right? And so if we're unable to face the conflicts, we're really unable to totally accept the joy. And that's not that's so good. True. That's so true. I, I actually do have one story that mm-hmm. had such a beautiful ending when I did decide to go there. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll make sure with her before this airs that she yeah. approves of it. But there's a friend that's in our core group that had had several really, really tough years and had moved away and she came back and she would come to our dinners and if she didn't like how the dinner was going about halfway through, or she just wasn't feeling up to it, she would get up and leave. And it happened a number of times, or there'd be times where we were trying really hard to include her and she just wouldn't show, or she would say, I'm going to try to come and then last minute bail out on it. And, you know, we all, all had different perspectives of it. You know, for me, it was always, she's been through a lot and she needs us and we need to be there for her. I thought to myself, I'm close enough with this person. We have been through so much together. Right. We're going to go to lunch. Yeah. Anyways, fast forward. That changed everything. It right. changed everything in the most beautiful way. And she has thanked me time and time again right. since then for saying something. And I remember being scared shitless to have that conversation because the last thing I wanted was to hurt her. Right. But because I did the last three, four, maybe even five years now, probably four years now, like our friend friend group's in a better place than ever with her. And it's just been such a wonderful thing that happened. Yeah. And that's the thing we always, you know, just talk about like, oh God, I'm so scared to bring this up. I'm so scared, you know, that this is not going to be received well. And the truth is, if you're coming from a place of honesty and respect, that often what happens on the other side of that is a lot of gratitude and a lot of positive shift within the person, you know, individually. And then that helps shine through, you know, to the relationship. So yeah, even, you know, a lot of the kind of fear of showing up authentically is really um, actually unjustified because the, sure, there's going to be people that don't receive the, the, you know, information well, 
but mm -hmm. actually more often than not it is received it might take a minute to like metabolize but what comes out of it is really beautiful and powerful i mean i i do feel that if a friend had something with me that you know they're they're cumulatively as a group you know struggling with about me i would i would want to know so I think that's the way I looked at it is like, I would want the conversation to be had out of love and care. And I, and I would be grateful for it. Yeah. So I'm glad that happened. Um, another question that's a little bit of a, a more juicy one was how do you handle when a friend shares personal information about their marriage that affects the way you see their partner? Mm -hmm. And in another scenario is I've heard when someone tells a friend that they're having an affair on their spouse. Mm -hmm how you carry on in your friendship when you're you're friends with both both parties in that in that marriage yeah well yeah this is really tricky and you know when i was interviewing many of the women for the book this came up a lot in terms wow. of in terms of when we were talking about breakups this was one of the this is one of the things that came up time and again where the romantic partner if there was any sort of conflict between either like the romantic partner and the friend in the sense of like they didn't get along or whatever then that was really tricky on the friendship or if the person was you know constantly breaking up with a boyfriend and then you'd spend a lot of time talking to them <clears throat> consoling them giving them advice and then they go right back and then mm. you're kind of like now i have all of this information about this guy and he's or you know guy or girl they seem like they're mm. jerks um, and now she's back with him and then doing behaving in the exact same way. And, but I've given so much of my time and energy mm -hmm. to this person and they're clearly not listening to anything I have to say. Um, so these are really, really tricky situations and I, I, they all have to kind of be handled, um, on an individual basis, because just of the history of the friendship, you know, if this is a new friend, I'd say you would definitely want to kind of take this as a red flag, you know, um, if this is a long standing friendship that you've had for a long, long time, then, you know, it all, it's probably worth investigating and trying to problem solve. Um, in terms of the friend that is um, cheating, um, this is sticky because you have to ask yourself at your own, without judgment, of course, but at your mm -hmm. own kind of moral compass, what you will and will not accept, what is kind of, you know, a ground zero for you and not. And that answer is going to be different for different people, you know, but I do think you have to have a check-in with yourself about, hey, morally, is this aligned with me at all? Like, can I, can I have a robust friendship with some, and maybe it is, I'm, if there's no judgment, if you, you know, again, this is where it becomes so um, situation specific. There's sure. many reasons for having an affair, you know what I mean? And it's not all necessarily nefarious. So, but the starting point on that is where you kind of sit knowing the information where your moral compass is on that. And, you know, we're just, you know, operating from a place of truth on you. And then you have to make a call. Um, that call can be like, I just can't support this. We need to, you know, at least take a time out while you're going doing this. Or 
um, I don't support this, but I want to support you as a friend, but I can't have any exposure to what's going on in this. I don't want to know anything about this affair. I don't want, you know, I just can't engage with this. Or you can, you know, dive deep on it and try and understand why this person, with this person, why they're doing this, why they feel they need to do this and workshop it with them. But you need to be careful of your own energy and protective of your own energy because often when people get in those kind of situations, which are whirlwind emotional situations, right? You can get sucked into this, right? And very invested in the outcomes. And so you have to be very clear and put boundaries around what you will or will not take energetically in, in their, because that's their narrative, right? Right. So you just want to be very clear that about what your narrative needs to be in this. And again, that's such a specific answer to the nuances of those individual relationships. Um, of course. And don't you also think like it depends on the person, right? So like some, I have not been in that situation. Right. That would be extremely hard for me. I am an empath. I feel all the feelings. Right. I soak up everyone's energy. That would be very toxic for me right. but then there's other people that are better at compartmentalizing thing that might be the friend that could really help them workshop that and work through it and then keep that separate from their personal right. life right yeah so again yeah you have to understand what you what you're made of what your capacity is and also what the other person needs like if the other person who's who's having the affair is 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 coming to you because they need to kind of vomit out their guilt I would recommend absolutely not taking that, right? You, you're, you, this is not a confessional because then what mm -hmm. do you do with that energy? If this person is genuinely coming to you trying to investigate, I wonder why I'm doing this. How do I, how did I get into it? How do I get out of it? And it, it feels like, and again, this is only for a long-standing friendship. I would never tolerate this in, in any kind of, you know, newer friendship. This is, would be a huge red flag for me. Um, not morally, just from an energetic standpoint. There's no way, mm -hmm. we don't have a history for me to navigate this with you. So assuming that this is a longstanding relationship, um, then you can, you, you just need to, you just need to make that choice, whether you're, mm -hmm. you, you know, how you're going to interface with it and if you're going to interface with it. But I certainly would not be a receptacle of, you know, trying, you know, trying to cleanse this person in any way. So, it, so that they can like, take their own stuff, put it on you, and then feel free to go out and operate in the world. That you need to be very protective about. One thing that I think is interesting and that I've seen with different people is that some people are just very comfortable with their childhood college friends and their mentality is no yeah. new friends. Like they don't really no new care friends. to make new friends. Right. You know, a lot of my right. friends are like, oh yep. God, Brooke, Brooke has another new friend. Like who, right. who, who does she have now? And it's like, right. my explanation is like, back to the buckets you know I, I like people that are different than me that maybe have a different background than me that can teach me something and open my eyes up to something that I've never experienced before right. and um I don't know it's just different it's very interesting how different people feel about introducing new people into their lives and, and you made a mention I believe about how you are very careful and you are very particular about who you do let right. into your life right and I am getting better at that like yeah. I am very much like come into my world. Like I want to be friends with everyone, but I, but I'm learning, I'm learning right. that you, you have to dial down there. Like, like it, it mostly because there's only so much time. Right. Like when I pulled my audience, like who, like, what is your biggest struggle in friendships? Hmm. I got so many responses. It was simply time. time. And so 
that's why you have choices because because otherwise you you you've got a big kind of group where you're not able to spend a, a bare minimum of time that is required for these things to actually you know get the engine going on them so that mm-hmm. they can provide the value that they that they can right and and i think to to your point about the friend that the, the people that only have friends kind of from college i mean i think it's great to have a really a really good core group of friends like that. Again, you know, I talk about this at the book, the, you know, having these friends that have seen you and witnessed you through, you know, a lot of your fun, you know, foundational years, but that you don't stop growing at college or hopefully not, right? You mm-hmm. keep evolving, you keep pivoting, you keep changing. And so it doesn't, for me, it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't have different needs, not that you've necessarily outgrown any of those people. Um, but, you know, just, just for example, the idea you know, I guess you could be, I guess you could be charting the same course in terms of like all of your friends from college start to get married at the same time, start to have kids at the same time. So there is some overlap there, but you know, you still change even, even it's not just about timing. Your response to having children might be wildly different to the response of your friends to having children. And therefore you, your needs are different or have expanded, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have, you take on a different job, you take on a different career, you take on, you move, your husband has new friends. So then there are different couples. Friends. I think that you just need to look at this as this, as, as expansive yes, uh, with boundaries as opposed to reductionist, you know, or, or, or fixed. I think the thing is, is there's nothing fixed in life. So your number of friends or your group of friends should also not necessarily be fixed the core can but I think as you change you would want to have some relationships that kind of reflect that change and support that change sure and and by the way those childhood friends that we all have from either childhood college early adult years I mean those relationships grow and change and evolve and that's okay I I've seen people that have really struggled with that and and feel like well I've known them since I was a kid so you know they 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 stay in that friendship right. when A, it may be toxic, B, they maybe have outgrown one another right. and, and those relationships can change. They don't always have to look the way they always looked. Right. Exactly. As you're growing, you're never going to grow in the same path exactly as anybody else, right? The timing will be different. The direction will be different. Mm-hmm. And some of them will be generally in line with you, but some of them won't. And, and that's okay. You, staying in something because of time is not a strong enough motivator. It's not a strong mm-hmm. enough reason to stay in something. Right? Speaking of friends, how did your, how have your friends, you know, what, what's been their response to your book? Good. You know, they, I mean, they were all like very nervous. You know, <laughs> sure. I'm like, I am not as if I would write like an expose on my friends. that would be a really bad chess move. Um, but no, they've been really into it. And I think I think one of the things that I've wanted for this book is just that people are asking questions, more questions mm-hmm. about what, you know, what's going on for them. And they've all kind of said like, oh man, I never thought of that. I've never, you know, uh, so I'm, you know, they're happy. They're happy. About I, it. I loved, um, I think it was towards the end where you gave the list, the, the homework assignment was to ask your friends this, this list of questions. And I, I typed it out into my phone and I'm like, yes looking at them, I've been looking at them every day and I'm thinking to myself, who would I ask these questions to? Which friends, like who would be receptive to it? Who would be like, uh, I'm not going there. And 
I want to try out the exercise because should, honestly, it was fun. It was like I was so nervous doing it, and that was with Sophie, my best friend. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it's kind of a good place to start with 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 friends that are this, the relationship is going well. You know, it's a good yeah. place to have these conversations because it's just an opportunity to get deeper with them. I wouldn't start necessarily with somebody that like you're on the rocks with, <laughs> you know, yeah, you <laughs> that would be harder. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but like having these conversations with people that are, that matter in your life, the friendships that matter in your life. I mean, Sophie and I, I it, it was, it was unbelievable where it went, you know, you know, I never could have predicted you know, and it was great. We talked about some things that I didn't know, you know, had kind of bothered her. They were in the past, but in, and me, her, and it was amazing. We, it was like, really, I felt, we felt so good after doing it, you know? I'm sure you felt more connected than ever. Okay. I mean, really? when you can sit together and ask these, talk about vulnerable questions. I mean, I think these would also be great questions to ask your partner, your, yeah. your sister, your brother, your mom, your dad. I just think that it's, it's, I love that your book is about getting the conversation started and it's about bringing awareness to your own roles in these relationships. And um, I just, I'm so glad you wrote this book. I, Thank you so much. I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna just connect people in a way that maybe they never thought was even possible. Right. Um, and hopefully it really opens people's eyes up to what they need and the relationships and, right. and gets the conversation going where it's okay to ask somebody what, what you need. And right. telling others what you need as well. Exactly. Um, so, anyways, I so appreciate you taking this time and having this conversation with me. I feel honored, and I can't wait to share it with oh, all my friends and everybody that listens. Great. Thank you so much, and sorry for the <laughs> the, the puppy of it all. <laughs> that's okay. We have dogs all around us right now, and I'm sure you heard the, the plane just fly by. But you know, that's that's all real good. life. That's what happens, right? It's <laughs> what happens. Well, thank you again so much. And I'm going to list all of your information and links to your book in my show notes. And um, again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. Okay. Take care. And bye. Bye.